TII Item 313, July 2nd, 2014, iOS 7.1.2 and Pango Jailbreak. Welcome to Today in iPhone. I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free seven-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending the music here in the background. Jeff wrote, Hi, Rob. I made the song with my iPhone 4S using the GarageBand app. For free downloads and more music, follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter. Regards, JeffJ. Well, thanks, Jeff, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Jeff, with a G rather than a J. Well, let's not get into that again. Uh, for sending in the artwork for today's show, Geff, or Jeff, wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this artwork as your podcast quenches my thirst for iOS news. I made it with an app called Share Your Can and tidied it up with Photo Eraser and then cropped it. Hope you like it. Regards, Jeff, London, England. Well, Jeff, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Jeff's artwork in the TII app in the Extras episode 313, or you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on an iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com, and please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote, quote, The forthcoming June 29, 2007 release of the Apple iPhone is going to be a bigger marketing flop than Ishtar and Waterworld combined, because its designers forgot Platt's first, last, and only law of user experience design. Oh, thy user, for he is not thee. That product is going to crash in flames. Sell your Apple stock now, while the hype's still hot. You heard it here first. David S. Platt, Suckbusters. 21st of June 2007. That is still one of my favorite pre-iPhone launch quotes of all time. I like to pull it out around the anniversary of the iPhone. If you did sell your Apple stock when David said to, well, I am sorry. But if you did the opposite and purchased Apple stock at the time, $100,000 worth of Apple stock on June 21st, 2007 would have been worth $527,700 on June 29th, 2014. Not a bad increase the seven that of course is the seventh year anniversary of the iphone launch june 29th we just passed that now let's say you had sold your apple stock at that time let's say you had a hundred thousand dollars and you invested that in the s p 500 on june 21st 2007 it would be worth a hundred and thirty thousand one hundred seventy three on june 29th 2014 just saying for promo codes on episode 312, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the apps Ticker Talk, Mushmouth, and Pixim. I'll be giving those out later this week. You can find more info about these apps at the beginning of episode 312. This week, we have a couple of apps that we have promo codes to give away. For the first one, 
the app is Formula Helper. Two words. Here is the review from the dev. Thanks, Rob. This is Anthony from Media, and hi, everyone. Let me introduce you our newest iOS 7 app, Formula Helper. All math formulas in one perfect app. Launched the 16th of June, Formula Helper is simply the best math formulas reference app to hit the App Store. Designed especially for students. We developed this app to help people to clear their minds and bags from bogus formulas and math books. It is designed with care and with help of international teachers team. Filled with 80% of formulas you'll need studying at college or university. Learn math with Formula Helper. Thank you for your attention. Thanks to the dev for his review of his app, Formula Helper, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put helper in the subject line. The second app we have promo codes for is the app Ephemeraid, a musical adventure. Here is the review from the devs. Hello, Internet. I'm Matt. And I'm Brent, and we are Super Chop Games. Our new game is called Ephemerid, a musical adventure. Ephemerid is the Latinate for a mayfly, but more specifically for our purposes, it's a rock fairy tale created especially for your iPad. In it, you'll help a paper mayfly make its one day on Earth as epic as possible. The world of Ephemerid is completely handcrafted. Everything you see in the game is made of hand-cut paper, glass, and paint. Ephemerid is built around an original soundtrack that ranges from chill melodies to shredding guitar. One of the things that sets Ephemerid apart is that Matt wrote the music first, and then we designed the levels around the tone of each song. It's an uncommon way to make a game, and it took a lot of hard work to get right. But we think the end result is truly unique. Uh, Ephemerid just came out on the App Store. If you have an iPad and love music, we think you'll really dig it. Yeah, check us out on the App Store or at superchopgames.com. Thanks to the devs for their review of their app, Ephemerid, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put ephemerid, E-P-H-E-M-E-R-I-D in the subject line. As always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then, well, no soup for you. A quick reminder for those of you that are either an app developer or an iBook author, Email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook, indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Don't have promo codes? Your app's free? You can go ahead and send in the review, and I'll just play it later in the episode. Just not at the beginning, in the promo giveaway segment since you don't have promo goats to give away. And into the news we shall go. Last week, I heard a rumor at the end of the week, well, in the beginning of the week, that at the end of the week, iOS 7.1.2 would come out. And, well, they were close. Apple chose to wait until Monday of this week to release it. So, yes, iOS 7.1.2 is available. Once again, remember Rob's rule for any updates, even double dots. First, Force quit all open apps. Next, go to Settings app, and then General, then Reset Network Settings. After the reboot, reconnect to Wi-Fi, and then Backup, Sync, Backup. The iOS device, uh, do it to your computer. If you don't do computer, then at least do it to the iCloud. Once you're all done, 
then do the upgrade. Yes, this is where two or three of you send me an email and say, I did not do that, and it went fine. And you were lucky this time. Some of you were. This is also where a couple of people say, I did not do that, and I wish I had. And finally, there are those that listen and have no issues at all. I am in that group, that last group, where I had no issues. I updated and followed my own advice and have not had an issue on any of the devices that I updated to iOS 7.1.2. Well, except at the end, we'll talk about the podcast app. Now, I did hear from Max P., who sent me a link to an article on iMore about some people having their iOS devices freeze during the update to iOS 7.1.2. This happened to Max. The answer, if this happens to you, is to hold down the home button and the sleep-wake button and keep them held down until the screen turns off and then comes back on again with the Apple logo. You know, a hard reset. I did ask Max if he followed my recommended update procedures, and he said the following. Hi, Rob. Nope. I am one of those that never follow your suggestion on this and never had a problem. Now I realize that maybe I should consider doing that next time. Thanks for the suggestion. Regards, Max P. See, folks, sometimes it does pay to listen to me from time to time. Just saying. So what is new in this update? Well, essentially security and bug fixes some of which are per bugs previously mentioned on this show, where they could get access to the most previous used app from Apple. Impact. A person with a physical access to a locked device may be able to access the application that was in the foreground prior to locking. Description. A state management issue existed in the handling of the telephony state while in airplane mode. This issue was addressed through improved state management while in airplane mode. What it means, the bug is squashed. We also reported in the past about someone being able to get access to mail attachments, again, if they physically had the device. That was on episode 306, and it was one where the sad German security expert put up a blog post about how mail attachments were not encrypted. Well, that bug is squashed. No word if the German security expert is now happy or not. In episode 306, we did say that likely would get patched in iOS 7.1.2. Thanks, Apple, for making us look good. There was also previously a report about being able to disable Find My iPhone without entering an iCloud password. While it was not easy to do and required some knowledge, it was still possible, and, well, that bug was squashed as well. There was the bug where you could get Siri to display all your contacts if you could get Siri to display multiple contacts. Also reported in the past on this show and also squashed with this update. I believe all the bugs previously mentioned on the show with regards to iOS 7.1.1 were squashed. I did go back and check. Maybe I missed one, but from what I can see at least, it does seem like Apple did a lot of bug squashing this time around. There is a link in the show notes for episode 313 at todayinios.com titled about the security content of iOS 7.1.2. This is a link to Apple's list of what was fixed in iOS 7.1.2, or with 7.1.2. There was a Google Plus post from Nick B, which said, just updated my iPad Air to 7.1.2, and now the podcast app crashes. It will open for a few seconds, then crash to the home screen. 
tried to reset network settings, etc. No fix. Read forums that it crashes in iOS 8 beta also. And for me, some users in iOS 7.1.2, anyone else get, uh, getting this to happen to them? And Billy W. and Robert F. also commented on his post that they were having the same thing happen. And guess what? So did I today. What I did to fix it was force quit all open apps, went to settings, then general, then reset, then reset network settings. Then after the reboot, I logged back into my Wi-Fi and launched the podcast app and all worked well. I also canceled the downloads in progress. I noticed it was trying to download two files when the issue happened. Uh, then I went and one by one downloaded those files. It was downloading and, well, now it all worked out for me. Now I should point out, I had used the podcast app for a couple of hours earlier today, multiple shows, and the issue popped up later in the day, well after I had been done uh, using it, and I went back in to check another podcast, and that's when the issue happened. So it wasn't with the update that it happened to me. It was you know, a few hours later after using the podcast app after updating yesterday. So strange. But again, if you do that, it can fix it. As with all updates, even double dot updates, don't be the first to download it if you don't like when things go wrong. And if you are not having any issues, it's always good to give new updates a week or two before installing. Thanks, Tim G, for the heads up on this next one, which is, well, about potentially more security Apple is providing or about to provide for its users and ecosystem. And what is this, you ask? Well, it's two-step verification for iCloud web apps. According to Apple Insider, quote, Apple is expanding its two-step authentication security feature beyond Apple ID management and iCloud-connected features to the iCloud web app suite. Prior to the change, iCloud.com was accessible via a simple password, unquote. Apple Insider said that they were able to confirm this new iCloud security feature is indeed uh, there, and it is Apple's normal two-factor authentication service. However, they said it was unclear if it was in testing or nearing a rollout. Some Apple ID accounts they tested required the second verification, while others did not. No official word that I could find on this from Apple. Sticking with the Apple News from Apple theme, on the 26th of June, Apple announced in the third person, quote, Apple brings vibrant colors and eyesight camera to most affordable iPod Touch model, unquote. Link to the full article in the show notes. But a very quick summary. Well, Apple killed off the lower-end last-gen iPod Touches, and now all iPod Touches are the latest-gen. 16, 32, and 64 gig storage is the only difference between the devices if you don't count the color differences. Pricing is $199 for the 16 gig, $249 for 32 gig, and $299 for 64 gig. Interesting that Apple just went to a $50 increment for differences in storage. Traditionally, it was $100. And by traditionally, I mean right now for every other iOS device except, well, the iPod Touch. The iPad Mini Retina, $399 for 16, $499 for 32, and $599 for 64. Hmm. Why is memory so much cheaper for the iPod Touch? Same differences again for every other iOS device except the iPod Touch. To me, this new pricing structure of $50 between levels of storage is the 
biggest potential news for future pricing of new iPhones and iPads in the fall. I think it'll be hard for Apple to stay with their $100 increments for those products now. Apple, as well, started a back-to-school promotion where you can get a $50 gift card when you buy an iPad or iPhone. Per the fine print, purchases must be made from the U.S. Apple online store for education individuals or from a U.S. Apple retail store or by calling 1-800-MY-APPLE from July 1st, 2014 through September 9th, 2014. Purchaser must be eligible for Apple education individual pricing. So not only do you get the $50 gift card, you also get the education discount as well. If, you know, you qualify for it. Or if the girl that babysits your kids qualifies it, or your niece or nephew qualifies, or that kid you buy the beer bridges for that cuts your lawn qualifies. Okay, that last one might be wrong. I mean, unless you were getting a MacBook Pro and a cinema display, just saying. Okay, so we've talked iOS, we've talked iPod Touch news, we've talked uh, education discounts. One thing we haven't talked about is Apple TV news. Yeah, baby, we are covering the full spectrum of iOS devices today. And yes, Apple TV is an iOS device. Last week, Apple added an app store for Apple TV. Oh, wait, never mind. That was a dream I was having. And I won't tell you about the rest of the dream. Okay, what Apple did do last week with regards to Apple TV was add four more tiles or channels or let's optimistically call them four more apps. These new apps include ABC News. which will allow you to access a lot of current news stories with some additional related news stories as well as access to 50 years worth of archives, which includes This Week in History which, hey, is updated, you guessed it, weekly, and picks some random years throughout the past to talk about. So you can't actually go and manually go through and find the different news stories. Like, you couldn't find out what happened on your birthday if you're less than 50, or the day you were born, if you're less than 50 years old. If you are in New York, L.A., Chicago, Philly, San Francisco, Houston, Fresno, Raleigh, and Milwaukee, you will get your local news. Well, actually... Anybody can get it anywhere, but it will be your local news if you happen to live in one of those municipalities. For everyone else, it'll just be non-local news of, from those cities, which is actually pretty nice because I'm going to New York tomorrow, and I went and looked at what the weather was for tomorrow and the next few days. All access to the content on this app is free. The second app added is the AOL on app, which brings a bunch of video content, as in over 900,000 videos, of which less than half involve cats. These are mostly short clips from AOL and AOL partners like HuffPost, TechCrunch, ESPN, and the New York Times. Supposedly, there is some long-form original content coming, and again, this is all free content as well. The third app is PBS Kids Channel. This is actually the one I, as parent, thought was the best. According to PBS, quote, PBS Kids programming on Apple TV includes thousands of videos with new content updated weekly. Users can access episodes and clips from favorites series such as Curious George, Dinosaur Train, Peg and Cat, Daniel's Tigers, Neighborhood, Arthur, Wild Kratz, and Sesame Street. Yay, Sesame Street. Apple TV viewers can watch this content for free and personalize their PBS Kids experience by creating a profile and identifying their local PBS station, unquote. 
did not see anything about Caillou or Cat in the Hat. Oh, well. And the fourth app, well, it's kind of a sticky wicket of an app because you have to pay for it to get access to the good content. And it's the Willow TV app. And, well, the use of the term sticky wicket, of which the definition according to Wikipedia is, quote, the phrase comes from the game of cricket, the pitch. And cricket is known as the wicket. According to the laws of cricket, this usage is incorrect, but it is in common usage and commonly understood by cricket followers. It can be affected by rain and the sun, causing the ball to bounce unpredictably. A pitch which had been wet uh, would become increasingly difficult to bat on as it's dried out. Such a pitch was referred to as a sticky wicket for batsmen because the ball's bounce bounces are unpredictable, unquote. Well, if you ever used that phrase but never watched a cricket match, now is your chance to rectify that situation. Well, at least highlights from a cricket match. If you want to watch the actual cricket match, you've got to sign up for a $15 a month uh, service. Yep, Willow TV is all cricket all the time for $15 a month. Somewhere someone listening had a poster of Imran Khan or Brian Lara up on their wall as a teenager and is going, Oh yeah, diggity, diggity, diggity. My Apple TV is finally complete. Hey, no offense to Mataya Moharang or Sunil Yoshi fans out there, but and oh, oh and if you are a fan of Sir Don Bradman, well chances are you still have a flip phone and you're not listening to this show anyway. No offense to Sir Don. But anyway, Willow TV's out there for you cricket fans. Now let's say you don't have kids, don't like cricket, or don't have an opinion on cricket, um, have just watched the U.S. lose in soccer, so no longer interested in soccer, and you want to get rid of some of the apps on your Apple TV. What you can do with the remote is find the app that you want to get rid of and hit the play pause button, and it'll give you an option, and you can hide those apps. So you can take apps off the screen so you can make your Apple TV less cluttered. Didn't know if you knew that. I don't think we've ever mentioned it. Figured I'd mention it, especially you know if you don't have kids, or again, if you're not into cricket or soccer, there's some apps you can get rid of. If you're not into baseball, you can get rid of that. If you're not into uh, whatever, there's a lot of things you can take off there that uh, you know the apps run the full gamut. There's stuff for guys and there's stuff for girls, and if you're not one or the other, you may want to hide them. Into the email bag we shall go. Hi, Rob. I signed up for lynda.com Sunday and spent six hours watching videos. I can't begin to tell you how this has changed my life. I learned more in those six hours than I did in my entire six years of college. I'm hooked. Regards, Lori B., Frisco, Texas. Lori, thanks for that feedback. And also thanks again to Linda for sponsoring this episode. If you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free seven-day trial to their service. They offer over 2,000 high-quality video courses taught by industry experts. These courses cover subjects including business skills like SEO, viral marketing, content marketing, and negotiating. There are software video courses covering MS Office, Adobe Creative Suite, and Final Cut Pro. And of course, there are iOS app development courses. There are over 25 iOS courses available at lynda.com. If you are in the business world, 
One of the essential ways to move up is how well you do giving presentations. That is just a fact of corporate culture. And we're back in the late 90s, bringing home a projector from work and putting my presentation up on the wall and practicing in front of my wife. Me and a few friends would share what we learned about PowerPoint. One guy, Liam Griffin, had the best presentations. We would take those presentations and dissect them and get them off the corporate internet. There was no Linda to rely on back then, but today there is Linda. And Linda has a bunch of video tutorials just on presentations. There is Keynote 6 from Outline to Presentation, plus Presentation Fundamentals, plus PowerPoint Builds, Transitions, Animations, and Effects, plus Up and Running with WebEx Meetings, which I need to check out personally, and Business Storytelling with my good friend C.C. Chapman, plus over 40 others that are concentrated on presentations. If you want to get ahead at your business, you owe it to yourself to check out these tutorials. You can be just like Lori B and change your life. Oh, and per Liam Griffin and his good presentations that I just mentioned, today Liam is the executive vice president and corporate general manager at Skyworks, who is a major supplier for the iPhone. And in 2013, his total compensation was north of $2 million. Yes, being really good at presentations is really, really good for your career. Linda is an all-you-can-eat monthly service. Watch anytime and as often as you like from your computer or iOS device. There are searchable transcripts as well as closed captioned transcripts. And you don't need to take my word for the breadth and quality of their tutorials and service. You can check them out right now for yourself for free for seven days by going to lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this show. Hey, Rob. This is Joseph out in California. Um, had a comment in regards to the person asking about the uh, cellular data uh, being used on Wi-Fi is being used as well. Um, I did find before that if you actually have Wi-Fi on and you have cellular data off, you cannot send and receive text me- or I'm sorry, picture messages on Verizon. So what I understand, even with Wi-Fi on, you still need cellular data to be on to send the picture messages with Verizon anyway. Just wanted to give you uh, information on that. Uh, enjoy the show. Take care, Rob. Joe, thanks for the feedback. And to the email, we go. Hi, Rob. You probably covered this in a previous episode, but at my age, you don't remember as good as you used to. Is there a way of locking the orientation when you're in the MAPS program? Thanks, Scott in Milwaukee. Hi, Scott. First up, there are two different types of orientation lock. There's the one available for iPads. This allows you to set it up where the mute button becomes the orientation lock button, which lets you lock it in either landscape or portrait mode. You do this via the general settings, then there's an option there just for iPads right below multitasking, uh, use slide switch two, and then one option is lock rotation. The other is to mute the device. Obviously you want to pick lock ro- rotation for this example. On iPhones and iPod touches running iOS 7, this option is not there. For iPhones and iPod touches, there is a software orientation lock, but it is only for locking it in portrait mode. To activate this on an iOS 7.x device, swipe up from the bottom of the screen in the top row of icons. On the right is the activation lock. Tap it and it locks the device into portrait mode. If you have an iOS device running iOS 6, 
double tap on the home button and swipe right. And you will see the option to lock the orientation there. Again, sadly, it will only lock it in portrait orientation. There is no way to lock it in landscape mode in iOS 6 or iOS 7 for an iPhone or iPod Touch. And Scott, I don't know if we ever covered it in that much detail at least. So thanks for the question. Honestly, I thought you could lock the iPhone in landscape mode, but apparently that is not the case. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. My name is Shandy. I am going to rant about a new voiceover feature that will be coming in iOS 8. Now, this is a great feature that I personally have been looking forward to for years. I'm talking about the Alex voice coming to iOS 8. I am really happy and really angry and depressed about this all at the same time. Let me explain. I am a totally blind Mac user, and I have been using the Mac for the past four years, and I don't use any other text-to-speech voice besides Alex. And when I use voiceover, Alex is my favorite. This may sound crazy, but I listen to Alex sometimes the way I listen to music. I love this text-to-speech voice so much. It is the best I have ever heard in my life. Believe me, I've heard a lot of text-to-speech. Absolutely nothing compares to Alex, so you can imagine how excited I was when I found out that Alex was coming to iOS. In fact, the Alex voice is one of the main reasons why I really want to upgrade to iOS 8 as soon as I can. Well, a few days after WWDC ended, I found out, sadly, that Alex will only run on an iPhone 5S and later. And I'm really upset about this because the latest model of iPhone that I have is the 4S. My iPhone 4S works great, so I don't really need a 5S, do I? After all, my mom always tells me that if you want something but don't really need it, you should not try to get it. But I want the Alex voice so badly in my iOS installation, and the only way that's going to happen is if I get an iPhone 5S. I've been trying to talk myself out of it, that, and out of asking my mom to get me a 5S for the past couple of days, and it's not working. I can't believe I have to get a new iPhone just for the new text-to-speech voice. It isn't fair, especially since Alex runs just fine on my old MacBook from late 2009. Why can't I run on an iPhone 4S? I don't understand. The only thing that makes me feel a little better is that my two-year-old contract for my 4S expires in September right about the time that iOS 8 is coming out still I'll, it'll be really hard for me to convince mom to get me a new phone just so I can enjoy the Alex voice, especially since I already use it on my computer all the time. Anyway, that's my rant. Regards, Shandy W. Well, Shandy, I would say come October, you may be able to get or sell your iPhone 4S, that is, and then buy a used 5S for not that much more. If the iPhone 6 is half of what it is rumored to be, there will be a bunch of people breaking contracts to upgrade early and then looking to sell their old 5S. Hang in there. September is closer than you think. We are now well, well over 900 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One post that was in the Google Plus community this past week came from Stephen Williams. And he was simply asking, what is the maximum distance between two devices that can have AirDrop work together? And since it uses Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, as noted in the response, it is limited to about 30 feet or 9 meters or 10 meters, depending on who you believe. 
If it is 10 meters, then you get a few extra feet. Anyway, really uh, the limit on the range is the Bluetooth part. Again, it does require both Bluetooth and Wi-Fi to work. Essentially, the devices need Bluetooth to connect securely and Wi-Fi to do the heavy listing of the file transfer. There were quite a few conversations about the latest jailbreak, which we will get to at the end of the episode. This past week, there were also dozens and dozens and dozens of other posts in the Google Plus community for TII, and this is an Android boys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Okay, well, usually the most civil. Last week I booted someone for not being too civil. But it is definitely the best moderated Google Plus community when it comes to iOS, and we're going to be over a thousand people really soon. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. Push us over a thousand, and thanks to the 900 plus of you that are already in the community and contributing. Hi, Rob. Saw this at the Irvine, California Costco today. Nice to see Apple and Costco working together again. Costco also had Beats headphones discounted to 199 Regards, Greg in LA. Thanks to all that sent this one in. I wonder if the fact that Apple bought Beats was a big factor in getting Costco back on board the Apple bandwagon because they sell a lot of Beats headphones. But anyway... Um, Oh, again, thanks to all that sent in the articles about Apple being back in Costco after a long absence. So now when you're buying your three-pound bag of pistachios or your five-pound bag of dried cherries, you can also pick up an iPad or iPhone or some other iOS device, which right now they have some discounted prices on, some pretty good discounted prices. Some of the tablets are tablets. Some of the iPads are up to $100 off. But you will need to check with your local Costco to see what versions and deals they have. Seems quantities are limited, as are the options. This next one is almost a rumor. But I really would put it more into common sense or just a yearly ritual. Seems Foxconn is reportedly hiring new workers to assist with the next-gen iPhone build. Shocker! This time Foxconn is reportedly hiring 100,000 new workers... Pegatron, another contract manufacturer for Apple, is also reported to be ramping up their hiring of new workers as they are, too, supposed to be getting some iPhone orders, roughly 30% of the new iPhone build orders. I guess I would just say, if this rumor was not circulating at this time, I'd be concerned. That it is circulating seems just like par for the course, or maybe one under par given how many people that they're hiring, but... Nothing really shocking in this news. Okay, so if we accept that Foxconn is now ramping up production of the next-gen iPhone, which, if it is launching in September, they definitely would need to be doing now, what is it likely that they are building? Well, the rumors are pretty much consolidating around two different versions for new iPhones. There's a 4.7-inch and a 5.5-inch version. Most rumors have it being a little thinner and a little more rounded on the corners and edges. There are also new photos of what is supposed to be the 5.5-inch display coming from Sony Dixon, who in the past had other samples that proved to be the real deal. The other thing the rumors are agreeing on is that the sleep-wake button has been moved from the top to the side. There is the rumor that the screens will be sapphire. Well, not the screens, but the glass covering the screens will be sapphire. 
Well, some say it'll be both devices, some say it'll just be the 4.7 version only, and some say it'll be the 5.5-inch version only. Uh, I would guess if it's going to be one, it's going to be all. There are other rumors about higher resolution displays for both the 4.7 and the 5.5. There's improved chipsets, kind of a given. I know There's always improved chipsets. A new bar- barometer mentioned on the last show. And just a single flash replacing the dual flash used for True Tone, but likely still a True Tone flash nonetheless. But one thing I have not seen in any of the rumors, not a single one, is the introduction of the new iPhone at 4 inches, the current size screen. I believe there will be a new iPhone at 4 inches sporting the A8 chip, which is likely what the new processor for the iPhone is going to be called. I don't see the 4-inch size being completely given up on. I know a lot of people that like that 4-inch size. I know some women that complain if it's too big, it's just not comfortable when they try to put it in their pocket. So how about if Apple does release three versions, a 4-inch, a 4.7, and a 5-inch? And what if they priced all three the same? Huh, you say? Well, think about this. Getting all the electronics into the smaller package makes it harder to design and lay out for manufacturability. A 5.5-inch device is likely to cost much less to manufacture than a 4-inch device, but will have a slightly higher material cost due to the larger screen and battery. But overall, it could be a wash between the 4-inch and the 5.5-inch in total cost when you look at everything from design to testing to manufacturability costs to build material and to yield. That could be really interesting if they did that and then only made the 5.5 inch version with 128 gig capacity. Hmm. Okay, wait, this is Apple. Of course they're going to raise the price for the larger units. What was I thinking? But there may only be $50 increments in price differences uh, as we saw with the updated iPod touch line. To the email bag. Hi Rob, do you think Apple will get away from the budget iPhone 5C and just use older models as the lower cost options? Regards, Michael. It is possible what Apple could do is kill off the iPhone 4S, which I think kind of is a given, and kill off the 5S, and then make an upgrade to the 5C to maybe call it the 6C, and put in the A7 processor. And that becomes your only 4-inch device, with the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus being 4.7 and 5-inch devices. Of course, that is not what I expect. I do expect, as just mentioned, three sizes of the latest iPhone running the A8 processor. But I wanted to throw out another scenario so I could cherry-pick that alternative in September and say, Hey, look, I nailed it. Oh, wait, never mind. I don't write for BGR. But it is possible that the 5C just lives on as is, and it becomes the low-cost device with absolutely no change at all. And the more I think about it, that to me seems like the most likely scenario. Maybe the lineup will be the 5C, 16 gig lowest cost, the $0 subsidized unit in the US, the 5S at 16 gig being the mid-price point one, the $99 subsidized unit, the 4.7-inch, 16-gig, low-end storage, uh, and the traditionally standardized price uh, price point of $199, subsidized, and the 5.5-inch with 
32 gig for the low-end storage at 249 subsidized. So you're going to see an increase in size and an increase in $50 in price. So again, 4.7, 16 gig, 199, 5.5, 32 gig, 249. I would expect a lot of the rumors over the next two months to start to focus on the pricing aspect. As on the technical side, the rumors seem to have all have come together, and there is not much else new to say there. Thanks to Dr. John for this next one, and that is the other place we should expect to see the rumors heating up on for the next couple of months, and that is the iWatch. There was a post on Mashable saying that Apple is testing the rumored iWatch with NBA star Kobe Bryant, who would be one of several pro athletes to test the mythical iWatch. They are reportedly working with some top athletes from the Major League Baseball Association, MLB, the NHL, National Hockey League, the NBA, National Basketball Association. They did not say anything about cricket for some reason. Hmm. They also speculate Kobe Bryant was picked because of his relationship with Nike and also his high popularity in China. But in that case, why not just work with Long Ma or Zandong Fan or on the woman's side, Ning Ding? I don't know. No photos by the paparazzi to back any of this up at this time, but there is a report Kobe Bryant was spotted on Apple's campus last month where he supposedly met with Johnny Ive. Hard to say if this backs up the rumor or if this is what caused the rumor creation in the first place. Chicken and egg there. It is possible Kobe is an Apple fanboy and Ive is a Kobe fanboy and they just were meeting to say, hi. Kind of a, hey, will you sign my Nikes? Hey, will you sign my iPod? Thanks to Brent for this next one, which is about YAMSFWA. Yet another major security flaw with Android. This time, it has to do with Android Google Play Store. And, quote, there appears to be a fundamental flaw in the Play Store infrastructure that leaves users potentially vulnerable to having their password and personal credentials logged without explicit consent, unquote. Or put another way, if this was happening on iOS, it would have been the lead story on the local and national news, and Senator Franken would have been calling for an inquiry. Just saying. Now, granted, this is an exploit discovered by a professor and PhD student, and no proof any nefarious types have actually taken advantage of this, well, now unknown and luckily very hidden secret. Yep, nothing to worry about here on the Android side. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Thought this was somewhat interesting and one more reason to stay away from the Android OS. However, I did not really know how, how much about FireEye Labs and their credibility. Regards, respectfully, Marshall M., what Marshall was referring to is a new type of Trojan horse for Android called Android.hehe, which was found by FireEye Labs and also reported on by Semantic. Quote, Android.hehe is a Trojan horse for Android devices that blocks incoming calls and SMS messages from specific numbers. Trojan also steals information from the compromised device. Unquote. And while it is good to be using iOS, that is how I look at all this news. Hey, if you ever wanted to do a podcast with unlimited content to work with, you could do an Android security vulnerability podcast. Hey, Rob, it's Ryan from Seattle. Question for you and your listeners. I'm reading on some of these tech blogs that the iPhone 6 is going to be released with a 32 and 64 gigabyte storage option 
and therefore deleting the uh, 16 gigabyte option that's been there uh, for years now. Also, there is the rumor that, well, pretty much I think this is going to occur, that there's going to be an increase in screen size from 4 inches to 4.7 and 5.5 inches, which is therefore going to um, uh, necessitate more materials. So with the necessity for more materials and the increased storage size, will Apple be raising the price on their phones this year? That is my question to you. I want to know what you think. Um, I guess I feel like this is a no-brainer and this is going to occur, unfortunately, but I guess uh, why wouldn't they? Thanks, Rob. I enjoy the show. Look forward to your response. Later. Well, Ryan, if I did a better job of labeling what your email voicemail message was here, I would have put this before my rant earlier about what I think is going to happen. But again, uh, to answer your question, I think I answered it for the most part earlier, except just to reemphasize, smaller does not mean cheaper. There is a bell curve, and again, if you go smaller, it starts to be more expensive to manufacture. As you go bigger, it becomes less costly to manufacture, but then you start to see increase in material costs for the larger screen, the larger battery. So there is a sweet spot above the current size of the iPhone that it'll be cheaper to manufacture, but the cost that they incur for the added materials is less than what they're saving for the increased manufacturability. In other words, overall, it can be cheaper to build a bigger device if the yields are better and you can do full automation on the assembly or more automation on the assembly. So it comes down to what's the sweet spot for manufacturability? Is it 4 inches? Is it 4.7 inches? Is it 5.5 inches? What's the size? that costs the least amount to manufacture, but is still not skewed higher in price because of the added materials. So whether or not Apple does raise prices doesn't mean that they have to raise prices. They may well only raise prices because of marketing concerns, you know, saying, hey, it's bigger, we can charge more, we can get more, let's do it. But it may actually cost them less to build the bigger device they're charging more for. Back to the email pig. Hi, Rob. Every time I try to tweet something from the TI app, I get a pop-up with the message, the tweet, yada, yada, cannot be sent because the connection to Twitter failed. I've deleted the app and put the Twitter app back on my iPhone, and this message is still popping up. What am I doing wrong? Regards, Charday. I sent Charday the following. Hi, Charday. Are you logged into Twitter on your iOS device? Go to the Settings app, then scroll down to Twitter, and tap it and see if you have your Twitter account info entered. Regards, Rob. She replied, hi, Rob. Okay, I see now. I did not put my password in the settings area for the Twitter app that's pre-installed on my iPhone. Thanks, Rob. It's now working. So, folks, if you ever have an issue with any app sending a tweet from that app, you need to make sure you are logged in at the settings level for Twitter and also Facebook, for that matter. Hi, Rob. I thought Safari now provided unlimited browsing after initially being restricted to just nine pages open. But this morning, it refused to allow a 25th open page. Yes, I admit I need to be more organized. I am about to work my way through them all, I promise. But I was wrong to think unlimited browsing was on the cards. Regards, Russell E. and Adelaide. Hi, Rob. One thing I hope 
iOS 8 will address is the continual annoyance of getting a pop-up saying cellular data is off for an app when you access the app in question. If you haven't turned it off, you shouldn't have to be reminded that you don't have it on. Uh, the workaround in the meantime is say if this happens when you access the notes app, turn on cellular data for the notes specifically, but turn off the main cellular button at the top of the screen. This will mean the pop-up is disabled and you can access notes without it appearing. Hope that helps. Regards, Steve in Brisbane. Well, thanks, Russell and Steve, for your feedback. Hi, Rob. Do you have any tips to save data on an iPhone or iPad? Because I always go way over my data limit. Sincerely, Zachary S. Hi, Zachary. Thanks for the email. First thing to do is go into the settings app, then tap on cellular, then scroll down to use cellular data for and turn off every app that makes no sense or you could care less about allowing to have access to cellular data. Many of these apps only have access to data to deliver you ads like Angry Birds or Candy Crush or, well, you get the picture. Restricting the apps you let get access to cellular data is vitally important. Then look at those remaining and see which ones are your biggest data hogs that'll list how much data each of these are using. And then obviously go and turn off all the biggest data hogs. You can always turn them on again later, but by turning off your biggest data hogs, you will at least be able to decide later on, do you really need to watch that video on ESPN right now? Or can you at least wait until you're on Wi-Fi and so on? So that pop-up, which again can be an annoyance to others, if you're someone that's always living on the edge of your data usage or pushing way past it, you kind of need that pop-up to remind you that, you know what, maybe I'll pass today on, on watching that cat video over cellular. Previously, I pledged on the Legion meter over at Kickstarter. That is the multimeter for your iOS charger. Well, good news, I just got my survey from Kickstarter. That is where they ask you for your address. Usually this is not done until right before they're getting ready to ship, which seems odd to get at the end of June for something that's not shipping until October. But maybe they'll have these done early. That would be a shocker and not something I'm used to with Kickstarter. Their Kickstarter page still shows October for delivery, by the way. Sadly, my SOS charger has gone completely dark. The last word from them was the chargers were done and getting ready to be shipped via ocean freight. Or put another way, literally, they were getting put on a slow boat from China. That was on May 29th. No word since then. Okay, I did look it up and it did say 29 to 35 days on average for transit time from China to most locations in the U.S. and Europe. And it takes up to a week for your cargo to be loaded and another week for it to be cleared at the destination port. So we are looking at the end of July, middle of July, before we have product in the hands of the Kickstarter um, guys or the ones running this project for Kickstarter. Yeah, don't think I'll be seeing it before my next conference in mid-August, which, uh, by the way... The uh, mid-August conference is going to be Podcast Movement in Texas. So any podcasters, hope to see you guys at Podcast Movement in Texas. Previously on the show, we mentioned the iFind tag, that it also was a Kickstarter project, and I say was. Um, 
because what we said on episode 310 when I featured it was, quote, for how it works, they claim it recycles electromagnetic energy and stores it in a unique power bank. It has a 200 feet, 60 meter detection range and loud alarm. Will be interesting to see if this one works as advertiser, advertised. To be honest, the fact that the tags previously did require batteries is a big reason I was not a big fan of tags. But this one has me rather interested. I'm almost willing to plunk down $30 to get two to see if this is as good as advertised, unquote. Well, Kevin J. was one of those that did actually pledge. And, and on June 26th, he received an email that said the following from Kickstarter. Quote, this is a message from Kickstarter's trust and safety team. We're writing to notify you that the I Find the World's First Battery-Free Item Locating Tag project has been suspended and your $120 pledge has been canceled. A review of the project uncovered evidence of one or more violations of Kickstarter's rules, which include a related party posing as an independent, supportive party in project comments or elsewhere, misrepresenting support by pledging to your own project, misrepresenting or failing to disclose relevant facts about the project or its creators, providing inaccurate or incomplete user information to Kickstarter or one of our partners. Accordingly, all funding has been stopped and backers will not be charged for the pledges. No further action is required on your part, unquote. Um, well, I guess we will not get to see how it works after all. At the time they killed it, there was over half a million dollars in pledges from almost 10,000 people. The comments thread on Kickstarter is, well, best enjoyed with popcorn. My name is Jay Rogan, Director of Product for GiveGab. Do you want to be happier? Are you looking for like-minded friends? Do you want to make a difference in your local community? Do you want to stop feeling like your life is a succession of meaningless days? Well, volunteering can help you with all of that. GiveGab is a social platform that helps volunteers find opportunities, get inspired by other volunteers, and build a portfolio of their experience. GiveGab also provides tools for nonprofits to manage their volunteers. We provide analytics to schools and businesses. Our new iOS app is focused on the experience of the volunteer. They get started by creating a free profile with Facebook or email. Then they can view a map of nearby nonprofits offering volunteer opportunities, which they can sign up for. They can share their experiences through words and photos and keep track of the hours they donate. They can get inspiration by checking out newsfeed of what other volunteers are up to. And of course, they can take selfies. At GiveGab, we were always developing new features to get people to give more and get happier. Check us out. Thanks to the dev of GiveGab for sending in their promo of their app. Again, if you're an app dev or an iBook author, you can send in your promos, if, even if your app's free, and we'll play it on the show. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. If anyone is like me and their draw just drops at the price for $200 for headphones... I found some $50 ones that I like that others might too. They are made or buy or sold by mobile spec called Studio Model MS51BK for black. They have an inline mic for answering calls and push button, but no volume control. Uh, of course, dual ear headphones are not legal for driving and these do a pretty good job of background noise cancellation. They sit on your ears, but not around, but are comfortable for at least a couple of hours. The bass response sounds good to me, and that's what sold me. 
Sold at most truck stops in the U.S. and Amazon, most truck stops have a demo display to listen with your iPhone. I'll be getting a second pair. There are two models on display. These are $50 and another for $10 less. Regards, Mike R. in Texas. Thanks, Mike, for the feedback. Hi, Rob. I was curious how easy it is to access tethering from your iPhone on a Mac. Does that also work with an iPad? I'm currently considering switching to Sprint's unlimited plan, and it comes with 5 gig of tethering for my iPad. But since I'm not a developer, I don't have access to the betas. Thanks for the show. Regards, Jason H. And Jason, I'm going to throw this one out there for anyone who's testing iOS 8 and is doing some tethering. How is it working for you? Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moon Dog. Send an email to today in iOS at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. I was thinking about jailbreaking my iPhone 5, but I don't know much about it. I was wondering what are some of the cons of jailbreaking? Could, would the security of my info be at risk while jailbroken? Can I still use iCloud with my Mac? I use online banking. Can I still that, do that safely while jailbroken? And lastly, can you give me a link on how I can jailbreak? Regards, Matt. Man, I almost just want to say, if you have to ask, it's probably not for you. Is jailbreaking less secure than having your device not jailbroken? For the most part, and in most cases, yes, there's been a few cases where there was a patch only available to jailbreakers. But other than that one instance, when you jailbreak your device, you've put third-party, non-trusted software on your device. So yes, there are security issues. Do you want to be doing your online banking and managing your 401k on a jailbroken iOS device? Probably not. I know I wouldn't do it. So if you are concerned about security, you want your device to be as secure as possible. For work, you have to have it as secure as possible. Jailbreaking is not for you. Hi, Rob. Are we trusting the Pangu jailbreak for iOS 7.1.1? Regards, Justin. Hi, Rob. Just wondering what you think of the new jailbreak Pangu. Regards, Levi M. And, well, I got a bunch of others with similar questions to those last couple. First, let me say this. I was right and wrong when it came to a jailbreak for iOS 7.1.1. I said I do not see, or did not see, the jailbreak dev team releasing a new jailbreak for 7.1.1. And, well, they didn't. But there was one released. This comes from Pangu in China. And not only does it work with 7.1.1, it also works with 7.1.2. Okay, first, since this came from China, there were many skeptical and scared about the validity or safety of the jailbreak. Because, you know, all those other jailbreaks by hackers not in China, were so safe and no possible chance of anything possibly going wrong. All jailbreak devs are hackers, which means they break the rules, which is not a bad thing, but also not the most secure thing. No jailbreak has been blessed by Apple. And jailbreaking means you are reducing the security of your device. But you know you can always trust a guy with a pineapple on his head. Okay, that all said... When Pango Jailbreak first launched, they did offer by default the Piracy App Store along with the City App Store. And that was, well, just not cool. And that is what gives Jailbreakers a bad name. That said, Pangu 1.1, now available, and for the English version at least, 
only Cydia will be installed by default. It works with 7.1, 7.1.1, and 7.1.2. One thing they also did with Pango 1.1 is they changed some of the code they were using. Seems they had lifted or borrowed some code from Ionic, and he was not happy. One th of the things Pango does do to make the jailbreak possible is it uses an expired enterprise certificate. And as Muscle Nerd from the dev team said, they don't do that because of legal issues. That is, the dev team doesn't do that because of legal issues. Stefan Esser, who is Ionic, by the way, said Pangu's jailbreak technique might be a bigger deal later on as it uses, quote, many secret vulnerabilities, unquote, so it's not just the certificates. Also from Esser, quote, the Pango jailbreak does not only just use one info leak bug, but several from my training, and there is basically my code linked directly into it, unquote. On top of all that, Pango 1.1 stopped using Esser's code and used some new code, which means that might be two different vulnerabilities the Pango team made Apple aware of and now has time to fix patch before iOS 8 is launched. So while this does mean right here, right now, you can jailbreak your iOS 7.1.2 iOS device. It may mean later on your iOS 8 device will not be jailbroken, not for a while after it is launched at least, and could take longer than even the iOS 7 jailbreak took. That is bad news for all interested in jailbreaking. All of that said, what is the verdict on the street about whether this jailbreak is safe? It seems to be a consensus feeling from those that are technical that have gone over this, that there is nothing malicious with regards to what it could do to you, the end user. Does that 100% mean it is safe? Heck no. And if you use your iOS device for work and have sensitive info on your iOS device, that if it was divulged, you'd lose your job or cost your company lots and lots of money or embarrassment, yes, this jailbreak, or any jailbreak for that matter, is not for you. Should you jailbreak right now? I'd say wait until the next episode, which likely will not be out for about two weeks. I'm taking the week off here as I travel to New York. I say wait just because, well... It works with iOS 7.1.2, and the long 4th of July weekend will give more people the chance to dive into the code and more and look at it and reconfirm nothing bad is going on under the hood. Again, from what I read, it does seem safe. I will not be jailbreaking until I get back from New York. Just don't want that before I travel. I will not be putting up a tutorial for some time on this one because of all travel and everything else. But there is a link in the show notes. Look for the link titled How to Jailbreak iOS 7.1 and 7.1.x with Pango. That's P-A-N-G-U. Again, in the show notes for episode 313, you can find that link, and that'll take you through what you need to do to jailbreak. If you feel you must jailbreak early, here is some early feedback on Pango from listeners. Hey, Rob. So I restored from iOS 8 to the beta 2 to 7.1.1 and jailbroke my phone using Pangu. Seems to work without a hitch. Cydia is changed uh, the buttons and moved more. 
My favorite app is Virtual Button on the 5S, and that still works. Regards, Dev. Well, I bit the bullet and did the Pango jailbreak on my iPad Mini. I followed the instructions, and jailbroke was successful. Currently restoring apps. At one point, my AVG antivirus did pick up a Trojan virus associated with the Pango jailbreak. The Pango tools itself going through the app update for 7.1.1. That's working as I type. Cydia did the basic star, uh, basics at start, but many of my tweaks are not currently compatible with 7.1.1. Must wait for jailbreak developers to update them. If you're still happy with your previous jailbreak, you might want to stick with it a while longer. Not sure if I regret the new jailbreak. Still many iOS 7 apps can be updated. Regards, Chris in London. Here's another email. I just finished jailbreaking my iPhone 5 and iPad mini retina. Jailbreak went very smooth and it's so nice not having random springboard crashes. Even Siri sounds sexy. Got 90 of the tweaks back on only a few that I found. Uh, shoot the device over into safe mode. The jailbreak itself was a breeze. Regards, Jade Star. Hi, Rob. I've been having a frustrating battle with my iPad 3rd Gen over the last few months. It was on iOS 7.0.4. The springboard kept crashing when I used multitasking mode. I was excited to hear about the jailbreak release and decided to take a chance. I backed up, then updated my iPad 3rd Gen to iOS 7.1.1 via DFU mode. I also updated iTunes. Uh, this is a must then downloaded the jailbreak and with a few easy steps i was jailbroken so far over the past three days i've had no issue and this solved my crashing springboard issue i have however noticed that many of the city of tweaks are not updated yet such as activator just give my two cents regards justin at this point i have not heard any negative stories about this jailbreak but as chris points out if you are happy with your current jailbreak and not having any issues, no real reason to upgrade at this point. Let's see where we are when episode 314 comes out. Obviously, some of you will be jailbroken before that or going to jailbreak before that. Please send in your feedback to todayinios at gmail.com and uh, better yet, call into the show, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG. And uh, yeah, we've been a little light on the voicemail feedback lately. Anyway, give us that call. Give us your feedback. Let us know how the jailbreak is working for you. And what are some of the tweaks that you have to have that aren't there or you have to have and are there? Hey, Rob. Just call and say I love your show. But quick question for you and your listeners. Um, I switched over my iPhone 5. It's, pre it's um, already paid off at at and I'm going to switch over to Target Brightspot, a new uh, service that Target's offering, which uses uh, T-Mobile's network. It's a, it's a uh, VN Neo, I believe it, I think they're called. Um, anyway, basically, my iPhone 5, since I put it in the SIM, I noticed all of a sudden I lost all my LTE or my um, 4G service, which T-Mobile does have in my area. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. So there's no 4G on the phone just 3G speeds. Also, there's no visual voicemail. So since Brightspot is kind of a new service, I'm just curious if you or your listeners uh, know anything about this at all. If you guys know about a fix for my iPhone 5, I tried to change the APN settings and things like that, and it didn't help at all. I'd appreciate it. I mean, since my phone is now basically on the prepaid, I can switch to anybody I want to. So 
I'm not that concerned about it. However, I would like to keep the service because Target offers a series of discounts if you uh, continue to use the service for at least six months. I think you get back a $25 Target gift card every six months with Sprite Spot service. So any help you guys have, I'd appreciate it. Thanks for your help. Love the show. I'll be listening. And uh, hope you have a nice summer. Bye-bye. Thanks for the voicemail. And I can't say I've had anyone call in or email in about Brightspot. But if anyone out there is using it and is using it successfully and had an AT&T phone that they brought over and used it, if you had to do anything special, let us know. Uh, again, anyone that's using it, just give us your feedback. I'd love to hear uh, what people think of this service, good or bad. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send an email to todayios at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Help. I'm so irritated every time I try to gift someone through the iTunes store. It won't work. I log in. It shows I have credit, so I know I'm logged in. Go to the album I want to gift and hit send gift, and it asks for the password again. I put it in, and it won't proceed. Just sleeps asking for, or just keeps asking for a password over and over again. So I log off and go reset my password, log back in, and same thing again. Help. Regards, Lori. Hi, Lori. I never saw that, but then I've only tried to gift things a few times, but they always worked. If anyone has seen this issue and knows of a fix, send an email to us or give us a call, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send that email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Wanted to give a review of my new Photon Hotspot device from Freedom Pop. After taking a look at their website without making a purchase, Freedom Pop sent me an email offer to get a free Photon Hotspot device plus 500 meg uh, of megabytes free. And all I had to do was sign up with a $9.99 fee for activation plus try their premier service for one month cancel any time so i did and it was shipped free of charge within five business days the photon is a tiny flat square and very light came with a usb cord to charge it i have to say uh, that the 4g hotspot works great as i have been using it flawlessly everywhere i traveled within northern new jersey and metro new york it is mostly with my verizon retina ipad mini 4g and it also works well as a Verizon 4G prepaid service. Also, I downloaded Freedom Pop's free app onto my iPhone 4, and they gave me an additional 200 meg of data for the first month. After about 20 days, I called customer service to cancel the premiere trial because I'm not ready to do it as of yet. And within five minutes, the customer service person canceled the service without a hassle. I was not expecting that. So far, Freedom Pop does what they say, and I highly recommend trying their product and services. Thanks, Dave. Oh, thanks, Dave. And Dave is a longtime listener and has been sending in emails to the show for the past three-plus years, so no, he is not a Freedom Pop plant. And, well, I will be giving my Freedom Pop a workout over this week when I travel to New York, so I'll be in the Metro New York area as well will be interesting to see how it does at the airports between flights as well. Hi, Rob. Do you think now with Amazon launching their new phone that they might bring podcasts into their store? It's not iOS, but it could be kind of cool that they are better than Google. Cheers, Craig. Okay, it is not iOS, but it is podcasting. And well, to answer your question, I hope so. 
because Android is a vast, vast wasteland of lost opportunity for podcasters. If I have said it this twice, I've said it a thousand times. Google is not a podcaster's friend. The ratio of podcast downloads for iOS versus Android in May on Libsyn was over 6 to 1 in favor of iOS. Android needs some help, and Amazon might be the one to do that. They, at least uh, with Audible, have some incentive. After all, what is the best advertising platform for Audible? Podcasts. So who knows, Craig, but in my utopian future, yes, there is a native podcatching app on Android devices via the Amazon you know, App Store, or just Android devices in general. But right now, Android is really just a dystopian wasteland, something Officer Rakatansky would feel at home in. Plus five points if you got that reference without Googling it. Uh, hey, Rob. Am I the only one having major problems with the last podcast app update? First, it crashed continually, and then after bringing a fresh copy from I from the cloud, and insists on downloading every subscribed podcast I'm signed up for, I finally had to remove it altogether. Are there any solutions for the original app, Steve R? Remember, the podcast app really, really, really needs the latest version of iTunes installed on your computer. Even if you are not directly syncing with iTunes on your computer, there seems to be interaction between your podcast list and your computer and the podcast app, even via just iCloud. And in all cases, when I heard of the podcast app crashing and burning after the last update um, to the podcast app, that is, once the person updated iTunes on their computer, then the podcast app worked fine. So again, make sure you update iTunes on your computer if you plan to update the podcast app on your iOS device. And as you point out, that's different than the issue we talked earlier about the podcast app crashing. This is for someone who sent it in prior to iOS 7.1.2 coming out. So this is just about the podcast app. And again, it's the app podcast app. And iTunes, you have to have 11.2, the latest version of iTunes, 11.2.2. So make sure you're up to date on iTunes. Then your podcast app should work. Unless you upgraded iOS 7.1.2 and it's crashing because of that. And in that case, what you need to do is do the reset that we mentioned earlier in the show. You know, kind of confusing there. Sorry. Hi, Rob. It's Shannon in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Hey, just a couple days ago, my wife and I noticed a weird thing with our... Uh, messages on our iPhones. Normally when either one of us would be on the phone and the other one sent a message, or anybody sent a message for that matter, of course it wouldn't come through as an iMessage, but it would come through as a text message. The other day I noticed that when I hung up with a phone call, I got a bunch of messages all in a row from my wife, and I thought that was odd. thought, well, maybe I went through a bad area because I drive a truck and I travel a lot. So I kind of wrote it off. However, once I got home, noticed that it's happening on both of our phones. If either one of us are on the phone, we can't receive messages. We can send them, however, but they just don't go through until the person hangs up. Now, when I send it, it shows blue on my end, which I know that it shouldn't. It should show green since my wife is on the phone or vice versa. Anyway, we've reset our network settings 
I went into the messages settings. I've signed out of our iMessage account. I've signed back in. I've made sure that it said send from the phone number. I've, I've done everything I could possibly think of. I've even checked the internet and done a little research and found that some people are having the problem, but I never really got a definitive answer as to how to fix it. I'm a little puzzled. Uh, so I'm just hoping maybe you or someone can help us with this. Um, I think that's all. Thanks, Rob. Take care. Love the show. Goodbye. Hey, Rob, it's Shannon in Fountain Hills again. I'm sure you probably understood. I just wanted to clarify that we do, of course, have it set to send as a text message if iMessage is not available. Again, as far as I can tell, no settings on our phone phones rather have changed, but they just do not work. I played with them for several hours this morning until I got frustrated enough to quit. So anyway, I wanted to add that and make sure. As far as I know, all of the settings are correct to make it work. Oh, and one more thing. Like if I go to Messages and tap the little square at the top, like I want to send a new message, I start typing in my wife's name. It pulls up her number, name, phone number immediately, and of course it's in blue, uh, like it should be. Now if I tap on that, then it takes me to the message thread that I've already been having with her, that's already existing, you know, so all of that seems normal. However, on her phone, even though I've got mine set to send from my phone number on her phone, when she types in my name, it pulls up my name, but it pulls up my Gmail address first. And I, I'm not quite sure why. Uh, my, my phone doesn't pull up anybody's email addresses when I'm in a text message form. But hers pulls up my Gmail address, and it is blue since I have that set for my iMessage as well. But anyway, my, my phone number and my name is directly below that. But even if she taps on that one, then it still doesn't work. So anyway, again, thank you. Uh, any help would be greatly appreciated. Take care, Rob. Goodbye. Shannon, thanks for the voicemail message. And if anyone out there can help Shannon, has an answer for Shannon, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. As I mentioned earlier, I'm taking the next week off. So next episode will be in two weeks. I'm going to have a little vacation here from work, so going to New York, hopefully get the kids up to the Statue of Liberty. That's what they'd like to do this time around. So I'll hope to be there on Thursday of this week. Anyway, uh, two weeks from now, we'll be back. You've got two weeks. Send your voicemail messages in. Uh, I want to thank, again, lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that is L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free seven-day trial. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this show and for the free offer. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Record it on your iOS device and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this show. It can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And that folks is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. 
This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Jonathan here again, forumfilmcast.com. Wanted to talk more about the GIF versus GIF acronym debate. Want to point out a couple things about acronyms. It seems that if there are rules in the world of acronyms, they're pretty flexible. Let's take the acronym MIDI. This stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface. We say MIDI rather than MIDI, as far as I know. So the letters of the acronym in the acronym are not always pronounced the same way they are pronounced in the original words, represented. Another acronym is ASAP. I've never heard someone say ASAP. This stands for, of course, as soon as possible. And then a third example is the acronym NIMBY, not in my backyard. And this acronym has a couple of exceptions. 
if we were to do a proper acronym, we'd say NIMB and pronounce every letter. But in fact, we have backyard and we've taken the Y, which is not the first letter of the word. So we have that exception. And then in, in addition, we say NIMBY rather than NIMBYA.